I really want to just share my heart with you today as a pastor, and, and I'm going to piggyback off of what Pastor Brad, how many appreciate that message throughout this week on serving, and, and, I, and I sat next to Kathy last Sunday, and I went, he just used point one, he used my point two, he used my point three, so I'm just going to re-preach his message, all right, but not really, we're not using the, the notes because I'm going to use the same points that Pastor Brad used, but he dealt with the what of serving, and I want to deal with the why and the how-to, and, and use those same points. But Matthew, our text that we're using throughout this series, comes out of Matthew 20, 28, says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Here's some alarming statistics, and anyone that knows me knows that my, my passion, as much as I love doing this, my passion and my gifts are not what takes place in here. My passion is the unsaved and the unchurched people outside these walls. That's what makes me thrive and breathe every week is reaching more people for Jesus. But here's some alarming statistics. Do you know that less than 2% of evangelical Christians in America today will ever lead another person to Jesus on their own? Only 2% of confessing Christians will ever lead another person to Christ in their lifetime? Do you know that 90% of confessing Christians will never even share their faith with an unchurched or an unsaved person in their lifetime? 90% will never even share their faith, and, and only 21% of American Christians today even invite someone to their church in their lifetime. Those are alarming, aren't they? And then we see all the statistics that say the church is declining, the, the Christian message is declining. It's not because of the, the pulpit per se, it's declining because we as individual Christians have lost the concept of what Jesus has really done in our life. Let me ask you this, if, if, if anyone's, my wife and I have had the privilege to go to Hawaii a couple times and we earned, won that through a contest on my job when I was in financial services and they paid for everything, so that's a good trip. And, uh, but I can tell you, once you've been there, you would like to take a friend. But how many of us, if, if somebody called us from the Hawaii and said, we've got an airplane, 280 seats, and you get to come to Hawaii, if you'll fill it up and bring us every person you know that would like to go to Hawaii, how many would fill that plane up? Can I tell you that offers today, but it's a place better than Hawaii. It's called heaven. And God's saying, I've got a free ride, and here's a plane ready, and all these seats are available. And if you fill them up, if you put somebody in that seat, they get a free ride to heaven. And yet our planes are empty because we've lost the concept of how great this experience with Jesus really is and how great a place heaven really is. And so today, I want to talk to you about the table. You see, Jesus said in Matthew, he said that, uh, that, uh, the, that we're like a city set on a hill. He said, you're a light of the world. You're like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And then he said, therefore, go let your light shine among men. And, and then he brings this in. He says, let it shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Go let your light shine among men. He said, you can't be hid under a bushel, but go as believers and followers of me and let your light shine among men that, that they're going to glorify. They're going to begin to ask you questions and they're going to want to know some things about the life change that's taking place in your life. And when you begin to answer them, it's going to glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so I want to talk to you about 
the table today. The table, and I'm just gonna talk pastoral with you today, all right? You see, every Sunday, when you come to Transformation Church, a table is spread. It has a four-course meal on it every Sunday, and we make sure that these ingredients are on that table every Sunday, and you know them if you've been here. Number one is we wanna know that you know God that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that you know him. Everything we do at Transformation Church is built around these four things on the menu. Number one is I want to know that you have a relationship with God. It's not enough for me as a pastor to watch you come to church and raise your hands and clap and worship and thank God for doing that and do it more every Sunday. But I want to know that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that there's a true life change taking place in your heart and in your life. Number two is we want you to find free that we want to help you find freedom. You know Jesus. He's brought you out of the world. Now, we're a grace church. We want to help you get that world out of you because how many besides your pastor still working on some things? Hadn't got it all together yet. Still some stuff going on. And, and I need a body around me that will help me. And, and we do that through small groups and relationships. And number three is we want you to discover your purpose that 87% of the church, the saved, never enter their purpose. They spend their whole life feeling not good enough for God to use them or to do anything through them. But we have a growth track that, that we do every Sunday here, the first three Sundays of the month after this second service. And we help you find your purpose and your reason for living. And because you will never be happy in life until you connect with your purpose. Then number four, is to go make a difference. The four menu, the four, the four processes of this menu is know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and go make a difference. You see, we're not better than any other church, and we never claim, nor would we ever even try to claim that. But we can, I can say we're different. We're not your typical church. Just look around already, and you're going to see red, yellow, black, and white. You're going to see rich sitting around poor. You're going to see middle class. You're going to see people that are wealthy and God has blessed them financially. And you're going to see homeless people walk in this street every Sunday in this church every Sunday and sit at the table. But isn't that what the table of heaven should look like? That whosoever will, let him come. Isn't that a restaurant that you walk in that whoever will, let him come. It's not for one social group of people, but whoever will, let him come. No one better than anyone else. The Bible told us about a table that Jesus had spread. And he said, this man spread a table and he sent out an invite to the people that he knew. And he said, I want you to come. It's ready. My staff has worked hard. People have labored. The cooks have done their job and the table's ready. And I want you to come and eat. And all of a sudden there were excuses that began to flow into the man. And, and they're going, man, I appreciate the invite, but I, I just built a vineyard and I haven't eaten of it yet. And, and I just got engaged and I haven't enjoyed this marriage yet. And, and they begin to just send in one excuse after another after another but the man had already gone through all of the effort to have the table prepared and the food ready and nobody's coming and the bible said he got angry in his heart he was discouraged in his heart and he said you know what we're not letting this go to waste he said i want you now to go out and i want you to go to the highways and the byways i want you to go out and compel them to come in that my house my table would be full and they went and they gathered people 
and then there were still more seats. And, and so he said, I want you to go back out there and I want you to go to the wealthy. I want you to go to the poor. He first told them, just go get the poor. Just go get the needy. Go get the hungry. And they went and gathered them, but there were still empty seats. And, and then he said, then go to the highways and get the wealthy. Go to the byways and get the middle class. Go to the hedges and get the poor. But I want every seat at my table occupied because there's a meal that's about to be fed and I want somebody eating every part of the meal that's been prepared. And can I say to you today, that's the heartbeat of Transformation Church. The psalmist put it like this. He talked about a table, but he put it like this. He said, you prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. And, and think about what he's saying. The psalmist said, you didn't prepare this table for me in front of my family or in front of my friends, but you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what he said? You prepared a table before my addiction that I can sit by my addiction and go, you don't own me anymore. You prepared a table before my offenses. You prepared a table before my molestation. You prepared a table before my lack of worth. You prepared a table before me in the very presence of the enemies that have consumed me and owned me and brought me down. But you not only prepared a table, you prepared one in front of the very things the enemy's been using to tell me I'm not worthy to be at the table. That's the table that we so effortly try to prepare here every Sunday morning at Transformation Church so that your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors can come into a safe place and understand that this table is not just for them. This table's for me. This is a table that I can sit at in my addictions. This is a table I can sit at in my poverty. This is a table I can sit at in my wealth. This is a table that I can sit at in my high positions. I can come when I have no position, but there's a chair waiting for me at the table. A meal has been prepared by heaven that's gonna be life-changing in my life. Somebody made an effort to make room for me at the table. You see, every person walks in this building, we want them to know that we've been waiting for them. We, we prepared for you. You're not an accident here. We've been looking for you. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's glad when you walked in this building, you didn't feel like I don't belong here, but you felt like somebody's been waiting for me. Somebody prepared something for me. And it's going to cost us. Here, here's, here's the why and the how of serving. Pastor Brad already gave you the point, so I'm going to take them in a little different direction and build off of the amazing platform that he set last Sunday. Number one is your time. How many knows the table doesn't get prepared without somebody taking some time to do it? Any cooks in here? Don't you wish you could just snap your finger? Now, I know today modern cooking comes in a wrapper, but the real stuff takes some time. Come on, somebody. That generation is about gone, but real stuff, them biscuits, real biscuits don't pop out of a can, all right? Come on, grandma's in the house. Help me out here. And you always want the one in the middle. Yeah, when we were kids, we fought off for the middle biscuit. Yes, we did. But you see, it takes time. Preparing a meal, planning Everyone involved. You see, our Sunday experiences here don't just happen. It takes a lot of time, a lot of meetings, a lot of effort. Our Sunday experience, it doesn't just take place 
Do you know an average of six to 15 people every Sunday in this sanctuary commit their lives to Christ and ask him to come into their heart as their Lord and Savior? Come on, do you hear what I just said? An average of six to 15 people every Sunday in this sanctuary raise a hand at an altar call and say, I need Jesus in my life. Do you know the largest Pentecostal organization in America by their own statistics last year said over 30% of their churches did not see one convert? Now, I don't say that attacking somebody. I'm saying you need to understand and appreciate what God's doing at the table. You can always identify what's in the house by the people that's coming in the restaurant. And if there's love here, broken people are going to come. If there's salvation here, lost people are going to come. If there's healing here, hurting people are going to come. You can identify what's on the table by the people that's coming to eat from it. And I thank God today that there's a table spread that whoever you invite into this building, there's something that they can eat and be nourished by. But let me ask you a question. If God asked today, if you would give me 90 minutes of your week, just 90 minutes of your week, I will use you to help transform people's lives for eternity. How many of us would raise a hand and say, sign me up? If God said, if you just give me 90 minutes of your week, 90 minutes of your week, I'm going to use you to transform people's lives for eternity. We would all raise our hand. Well, that opportunity is here. It's here. He's asked. We raised our hand. It's here. You know what it is? We're going to make it easy for you. We're setting the stage. God just wants to know, are you willing to give 90 minutes of your time on a Sunday morning to serve in a service? Because listen, the fall, starting at the end of August, all the way through December, it is statistically, st- by statistics, proven that more people accept Jesus in those three to four months than they do the entire year. And so God's challenging me as the lead senior pastor of this church, let's get this house ready for that harvest. Come on, somebody. Let's get prepared. Let's don't let the harvest knock on the door and we're not ready for it. And I want to challenge you today. Be part of that. You see, every Sunday you have that opportunity. The the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you do. So here's what I challenge you. If you're not already on our dream team, I want to challenge you. Go through Grow Track. We start it again next Sunday for three Sundays right after the second service. We have a meal and go through Grow Track for three weeks and, and let us help you find your passion and identify your gifts and, and get ready. And here's the motto of this church. And we don't kick you out if you don't. And, and some of you, you, you work so hard. I mean, your, your gift is giving and, and, and you're a workaholic. So I, I'm not here pointing fingers. I'm just saying I'm challenging you that the motto of this church is sit one, serve one. And I don't care if we move to a building as we outgrow this, that'll seat 10,000. We're always going to have two services in this church. Whether we need it or not, we're always going to have two services because it gives everybody the opportunity to sit and do nothing but receive and then have a service to do nothing but give and serve. And I challenge you, if God said, if you give 90 minutes to 120 minutes of your week, and we'll change lives for eternity. That opportunity is here every Sunday at Transformation Church, but it's going to cost us some time. But how many knows time is not that hard to give when I see the internal impact that it's making on someone else's life? 
And so I want to challenge you, sit in a service, the early one or the second one, and then find a place and we'll help you through your passions and your gifts that, that you're passionate about and then and give 90 minutes of your time on a Sunday and just serve, just serve, give that and God's going to bless it to you. The 30-30 principle is come, you know what builds the church? Not the preaching and not even the worship. You know what the statistics say builds the church? The 30 minutes before and the 30 minutes after. Relationships. People connecting. That's why we left 45 minutes in between each service. That makes us stay longer. The team stay longer. But we did that intentional so you could come early, stay late, get in the lobbies, get some coffee, build relationships. And that's what grows the church, not the sermon or the worship. Connect with people. Spend a little bit of time. And God said, I'll use you to change lives for eternity. Number two is it takes talents. Remember these points from last week? Talents. You see, the Bible tells us that we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. You see, the two most important days of your life is the day you were born and the day you found out why you were born. The two most important days of your life is the day that you were born and the day that you found out your purpose, why you were born. How many's gone to a restaurant lately? You didn't walk in and meet the cook. Right? Matter of fact, unless the cook comes out to you, you never know who he or she is. You're going to be met by a greeter. And then you're going to meet a hostess. And they're going to take you to a table and you're going to meet a waiter or a waitress. And the cook might come by, but once you've done with your meal, there's a busboy that's going to come out and clean your table. And then they're going to take those dishes to a dishwasher and they're going to wash them. But something had to be managed. A menu had to be put together. Vision had to take place through management an assistant management, a plan of action had to take place for that restaurant. It was a group of people making an experience awesome, wanting you to come back for more. Can I tell you, it takes every person to make our Sunday morning experience take place. Now, if we just want to have good church and come in here and do a bunch of singing and dancing as Christians and not worry about other people's lives change, we can cut three-fourths of that out. I don't need a team that big. But if I were going to transform lives and watch people grow in Jesus, it's going to take more than good church. And, and when you, every Sunday when you come to Transformation Church, there's some people in a parking lot that's going to greet you out there and ride you on a buggy if you want to ride. How many appreciate the parking lot team, somebody? Come on. If you don't clap now, you'll clap when it's raining. Yes, you will. All right? But how, how many appreciate the greeters that meet you at the door? Come on, we give a hoorah for our greeters at the door and they welcome you in. You see, it may not be that important to you, but when you bring your unchurched friend that doesn't know if they're gonna be welcomed or not, that greeter's pretty important because they're gonna immediately know that they're welcome here. And how about the coffee team? Yeah, yeah, they get here and get that coffee ready. Do you know I've got husbands that come to this church that can't stand my preaching? They told me they don't like our preaching. They don't even like our music either, but they love our coffee. And it's free. And we welcome you. I can joke about it because they've told me. So it's all right. But you've got to come and understand today it's important. How about the check-in that checks in? Parents, how about the check-in that gets your children and, and gets safe back there and gets them signed in? Somebody's got to be behind that counter. And then our nursery workers. Oh, angels from heaven, right? 
Yeah, that crew that's got your little babies back there puking and burping and pooping and all that stuff that babies do so that you can be in here. And they love on your babies back there, man. They really do. And you know what? Some of you, God put a passion in for those little babies. How about those toddlers, those three to five-year-olds that just are the twos and the threes and the fives and they're, they're going full blast. But there's some people with a passion for those toddlers, man, that watch your babies every Sunday. And then the elementary that, that 6 to 11 and 12-year-old back there, man, that's jumping and singing and, and hearing about Jesus and going home and telling their unchurched moms and dads about Jesus and what they learned that day. And then there's the Haven, our ministry for children with special needs and special people that serve in that, that have a passion for these children that are going through these crises and families that are dealing with crises in life. And, and then our ushers that they don't just take up offering, but they manage the sanctuary and the entire campus. And, and then our production team that makes all of this work and helps us that don't do real well look better. They really do. And, and all of the technology that's taking place, God put that gift in some of you that I don't even know how to work an iPhone, but you, you can take it apart and put it back together. He, he gifted you. That's your purpose. Our worship team. Come on, anybody appreciate this team, man? You know what? They didn't just show up this morning. They put hours and hours of commitment and work. Our staff that meets all throughout the week, planning, vision, correcting, making better. Our pastoral team. How many appreciates Pastor Brad over there and our, our team, man? It's an awesome, awesome team. You know what the dynamics of this is? Everybody under our ministerial team, our pastoral team is under 30, but me, man. This church has a great future. You know what I'm talking about? It really, really does. It's challenging, believe me. You know what? How about our prayer team that's praying for you after every service, every Sunday? Our growth track team that meets and, and prepares meal for our people to find their purpose. Our security team that's all around this building. Every inch of this campus is on video. That you can come here and your children can be back there and you don't have to worry about it. We've got security. Thank God for our security team in today's society. Amen. We've got people that are out there. How about the custodians that clean this building so you didn't come and sit around trash, amen? And, and the people that did the lawns yesterday and they did it free. They didn't charge this church like most churches have to deal with. And I'm saying all of that, and I took time to go through that because that's what makes the table work. Because it looks pretty, it looks simple. It looked like it didn't take much to put together but there's a whole lot of people that's required to make it happen. And you know what? There's a place for you on that team. There's a place for you. If you're willing to give 90 minutes of your week, there's a place for you on that team. And let me say, I'm not standing here begging you to do that. And you'll find that out at the end because we've got a dynamic dream team here. We've got over 100 people serving here every Sunday in ministry, making this ministry work. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not up here begging. I just don't want you to miss your opportunity because you will never be happy in life. I don't care how much money you make, how big your house is, and how expensive your cars are. You will never be happy in life until you connect with your purpose and making a difference in the lives of other people. All right, And so our desire at TC is that every person comes to sit and receive. I don't want you to just serve. I don't want you to just serve because how many knows if all you do is serve, you're going to drain out and become empty. And we don't want that. So we have two services so you can come and receive and just get, man, let God just pour into you and, and then say, now I'm ready to give. Make a difference in the lives of someone else. 
You see, Jesus told us that they're sheep. Here's what he said. It's in the Bible. He said they're sheep. They're part of the fold. They just don't know it yet. It's in the scripture. That's your family, by the way. Come on, how many is thankful that there's still salvation coming to your lost family? That's your friends that are dear to you. God said they're part of my kingdom. They just don't know it yet. And I want to tell you, that's why we go through all of the effort that we go through. It's because we know this might be the Sunday that your relative shows up with you. This might be the Sunday that your neighbor, you've been begging to come to church for 10 years, finally shows up to you. And we're not going to let that be a haphazard service. We don't serve hot dogs here, my friend. You're going to get a filet mignon or you're getting nothing at all. You hear what I'm saying? You're going to get the word. We're not here. You don't have to come one Sunday and go, man, I hope they didn't drop the ball this one. If we dropped it, it wasn't on purpose. I can promise you that. Because every time Jesus sets the table, he's going to what's needed by that people that are there. And that's why we need to stop the old-fashioned thinking that church is for me. No, whatever's on that table is for the hungry, the broken, and the poor. And Jesus knows who's coming in and he's going to have what they need and it's going to satisfy the craving in their heart. Pastor Brad told us that there was a parable of the sower that had five talents, two and one, and Jesus told him to go use it and double it. The one with five went out and used his talents, and they doubled to ten. The one with two used his, and they doubled to four. And the one with one said, ah, he didn't give me what he gave the two and the five. I'm doing nothing with it. And he dug a hole and buried it. And when Jesus came back, he cursed him. He cursed him. You know who he gave that talent to? The one that had the five that doubled it to the ten. You want to know why? He's the one he could trust the most. Our team just got back from Grow conference that we go to every year. We take many of our leaders every July. They told the story there of a CEO of a major company in Birmingham. They said he's a very active part of the leadership of this grow conference every year. You know what he does? He walks around the campus and picks up the garbage. He don't want us announcing that, they said, but that's what he does. Now, you didn't know he was the CEO of a company because he don't want you to know that. But they said for three straight years, his task that he's volunteered for was to just go around the campus and pick up the trash off the ground. He's one of the trustees in the church. They said he didn't become a trustee because he had a CEO, he became a trustee because he was willing to pick up trash. And can I tell you today, none of us, you will never ever hear me or Pastor Brad or any leader in this church stand on this pulpit and talk to you about doing anything that you don't see us do ourselves, ever. Because the day you can only minister off of a pulpit and you can't get in a pit, you need to step down because you're not worthy to lead anymore. Because true ministry does not take place on a pulpit. It takes place in the pit of life where the broken and the hurting are. And the good Samaritan was willing to get off of his horse and get down in the pit and mend the wounds of the hurting and the broken. And can I tell you, that's why God gave us the talents that he did not so that we can come up here and shine in our gifts, but so in the secret and in the privacy of life, he's going to use us to heal the broken and the wounded. Come on, can you thank God for that today? <laughs> Number three is our treasure. Oh, there he goes on that money stuff. No, you hardly ever hear us talk about money here. We don't talk about it enough, to be honest with you. Well, we know that there's a stigma out there that every preacher's money hungry. That's why I run around town in a 205 Titan with 308,000 miles on it, because I'm money hungry. You know what I'm saying? 
I could afford a new one. I just like debt-free. And the only person in my life that I still feel a need to impress has lived with me for 37 years, and she still rides in my truck. So I don't see a need to go in debt to impress anybody else. You got me? And I hunt and fish, so I really don't care what it looks like as long as it gets me to the water in the woods. All right. But our treasure, and here's what I want to challenge you today, and Pastor Brad made it so clear as, as the scripture said, he, he said in the Bible, we believe in the tithing principle here and we operate that and we as a church tithe off of every dollar that comes in this building. But I love what the scripture said in 2 Corinthians. He said, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And that's why you'll never hear us pressure to give in this church. We don't take multiple offerings in this church. Matter of fact, We've spent over $200,000 in renovating this building that sat here empty for eight years. We've watched God miraculously provide that through your giving, and we haven't come up here and taken one special offering to make that happen. Just your tithes and offerings has made that happen that we can prepare, and we still got a lot to do, but it's let us prepare a place that we can come and grow as a church and as a ministry, and it's happening because you gave because you wanted to. We didn't come up here and pressure you like, man, we got to do it. So we don't operate like that. But can I tell you this? Every time you bring and you give an offering here, and I want to challenge you, encourage you to give through this, whatever you decide in your heart. Every time you put a dollar in the offering here, before it ever pays a bill or a salary, 10% comes off the top. And our bookkeeper knows to take that 10% first before we do everything else. We tithe off of whatever comes in here before we do anything with it, just like we tell you to do as an individual. And that 10% goes to evangelism and missions. And can I tell you, you're that, every time you give a dollar and you have this year, we just built houses in Peru because of that for families that were living in cardboard boxes. Can I tell you that we just helped open an orphanage in a third world country that I just got the word today, over 50 st- little babies that were homeless on the streets in this third world country are now living in the orphanage and safe and hearing the gospel because we didn't have to come and beg for an offering. We just took it from what you'd already given us. Can I tell you? you that every Sunday here in this church, there's a kid zone back there, and we believe in our children in this church, and, and we've spent a lot of money for curriculum and activities, and we're about to invest a whole lot more, and, and, and then we look at it, and we see our haven, and our haven for our children with special needs, and if anyone's involved in that, it is extremely expensive, but we believe the investment in these families and these children's worth whatever the cost, and, and but we haven't had to come and beg for money. We're just taking that 10% and the extra that you give and God's going to make it happen. And, and, and then all of a sudden we, we see what God is doing in all the other ministries in the church. And, and I just want to say to you today that it works. We, we've got our street church that we're starting in August and we've got a team and we've got a family that's already about to head it up and you're going to be hearing about it. And one Saturday a month, we're going to be in a different location in the Brownsville community. And we've got tents and we've got hot dogs and we've got music and we've got dancers and and we've got all kind of stuff and we're going to be out in this community impacting and changing the lives of people through the gospel. We have a pastor-to-pastor ministry that God gave us years ago and I I meet with hurting, broken, and fallen pastors, some in moral failure, and they call. We get calls every week from around the world and we sit and God allows us through our pain 
to bring life to pastors that have been thrown away and given up on. And we're watching God not only heal pastors, but heal families. And when you heal the family, you heal the church. Your giving allows us to sow into pastors. And so when you give in this church, you're not just paying a salary. We had a lady call the office this week. Heather answered the phone. Deb was at Grow. And this mama cried. She said, she sent us a text and said, Pastor, she was losing it. She was out of control, crying and weeping. And she cleans houses and apartments. And she was cleaning a place and she found our open house flyer. It was laying in someone's home that she was cleaning and she saw it. And she immediately called the church sobbing and crying and saying, I have looked for years, I have looked for a church that I can bring my son who's severely autistic and he's got an older brother who's going through severe depression because of his brother's autism and, and I don't know what to do and I've been praying to God and begging God, please give me a church that'll help me with my son and help me with my family. And she's coming open house on August the 5th. Your giving made that possible, my friend, because you sowed into something that's gonna make eternal change in the lives of others. Last of all is our temperament. Our temperament. Why do we do? What's the attitude that we do what we do in? You see, our temperament and our attitude, it trumps talent and ability. You know, I've been in ministry 37 years. I've heard it so much. You, you know, pastor, there's nothing here for me. There's just nothing here for me. I won't meet. I've heard that for 37 years. You know what that's like? That's like pulling up to a food pantry in a $60,000 Lexus and complaining about the food they put in your bag. Come on, somebody. <laughs> when I was pastoring another church, it was an all-white rich church when I took it, and then God began to bring in the prostitutes and the addicts, and, and it became a multicultural church. But there was one man, he was a deacon in that church. I won't mention names. He was the deacon in that church and he didn't like the blacks. He didn't like the prostitutes. He didn't like where the church was going. He was losing his church. And he would meet me at the front door every Monday morning. He would be standing at the front door. We just had 15 people give their hearts to Jesus yesterday. And every Monday morning, he would meet me at the front door. Feed the sheep, preacher. Feed the sheep. Sheep won't sheep food, preacher. We're starving to death here, preacher. You're starving us to death. 15 people got saved yesterday. Feed the sheep, preacher. Feed the sheep, preacher. And that went on for months and months and months. Finally, one day in a meeting, he said it. Preacher, you need to feed the sheep. And I looked at him and said, you know what? You're right. Sheep love sheep food, but goats don't know what to do with it. Ba ha ha ha. Can I tell you today, this meal today, we're going to feed you. But there's somebody coming in that didn't even know how to order off the menu. They don't even feel like they belong here. They don't even know why they were invited. And how can I sit next to them and go, I don't like what's on this plate when they thank God for a hot dog and I'm screaming over a T-bone. God, forgive us, church. Come on, help me in here. God, God, forgive. I'm talking about the universal church. Forgive us as your kingdom, God, that we've lost sight. While the table's even spread, is really not even for us because I don't know about you, but I prayed and I worshiped and I got a hold of God before I even got to church this morning. I didn't need a preacher to preach to me to heaven. I took care of that all week long. I didn't come here needing to be fed. I came here so I could worship God and create an atmosphere that somebody that hadn't eaten yet could have a table that they can feast on and find the life that they've been looking for.
see, we've got to find our temperament. You see, somebody has to come. The Bible, and I close with this. I'm going long. Proverbs 14, 4, put it like this. He said, where there is no oxen, the crib is clean. But there's much increase by the strength of the oxen. You know what he's saying? This is a book of wisdom, Proverbs. You know what he said there? If you're going to have the strength of the oxen, you got to be willing to shovel some poop. Come on, somebody. If you're going to have the strength of the oxen, you got to be willing to put on some mud boots and get a shovel and clean out some dung. And I want to tell you, ministering to all people means you got to be willing to clean out some poop. You got to be, I had my little grandson last night and as soon as I put him on my chest, he threw up and I mean, it went everywhere. I didn't freak out and throw him on the floor and say, how dare you? That's my grandson. He's sick. And he was worth the vomit to just have him alive on my chest. He's worth the puke. And can I tell you today, that drug addict is worth the puke. That little mama out there selling herself on Cervantes, it's worth cleaning out a stall of some poop. Your rich coworker that thinks he's happy but knows he's miserable and can't find happiness in life through his money is worth cleaning out a stall so that he doesn't go to hell deceived and false happiness. It's all walks of life. God just wants to know, what's your temperament transformation, church? Why do you do what you do? And can I tell you this? All of this that I preach today, why? Why, Pastor? Why, why, are you, why, why do you and Pastor Brad get up there so much and say, small group, dream team, small group, dream team? Let me tell you why. It's not to get you to serve. It's because we've learned that your happiness in life, the greatest joy you're going to have in your life is making a difference in someone else's life. Knowing that God used you 90 minutes of your week, God used you to set an entire environment, an experience that now people are going to walk in and God's going to change their life. Seven Sundays ago, and I'm, I'm done. Seven Sundays ago, it was raining. I'll never forget this Sunday. I can tell you in detail. I don't have to write it down. I haven't. I walked out the front and there was a little mama out there, a little black lady. She had four little kids and you could, you could tell that they weren't like rich her boyfriend was there, and I think an ex-mother-in-law were there, and it was raining. They were just sitting out there, and I said, y'all, first time, yes, sir, yes, sir, and the kids are so behaved, and, and, and they said, yes, sir, and I said, I'm Pastor Dan, so great to meet you. Pastor Brad preached that Sunday, and, and I, I just talked to them a little bit, and I said, well, y'all have a ride? And no, we walked. I said, well, we'll get your ride. It's okay, we're right, we live right up the street. I said, well, we'll get your ride. No, it's okay, Pastor, we're right up the street. For four Sundays in a row, they came back. I explained to them Grow Track, and I said, we'd love to have you on our Grow Track and connect with the church, and here's the next step. The next Sunday, she didn't come to the first service. She came to this, the first and the second service and stayed for Grow Track, and she went through Grow Track, completed Grow Track, her and her boyfriend, and we're in our staff meeting after that, and I brought them up, and, and my staff said, we found out where they live. They've been walking three and a half miles. A single mama with four little children and a boyfriend 
have been walking three and a half miles just to get to church every Sunday. I've got people in an $80,000 vehicle that don't do that. And I asked her, I apologized to her, I cried to her, and I, I apologized, I said, I'm so sorry, I had no, you set up the street, I'm thinking up the street, a block. And I said, why did you walk three and a half miles? You know what her boyfriend said to me? He said, Pastor, when you're looking for a life change, you do whatever you need to do. Well, they're not walking anymore, I can promise you that. But I'm telling you, and I'm asking you, as a church, that we come back and refocus. And I've already gone over, but I really feel in my heart to do this. And if you're here right now, and I'm just going to pull pastoral authority right now. I'll get in trouble in the meeting this week, but I'm going to pull it. If you're here right now, I just want you to bow your heads. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, step one, I need Jesus in my life. I need to know Jesus. I'm not where I need to be. I know I'm lost, but today I realize the table has been set for me. And Jesus loves me, and I want to give my life to him. If that's you, would you lift a hand? Hands are already going up before I ask. God bless you. God bless you. I realize today he loves me, Pastor. I realize today that this table's been set for me. I need Jesus in my life. I need him in my heart. Pray for me. Anyone else before we pray? God bless you. God bless you. That's four. Maybe online, maybe on the web. Right now, you need to make that decision with Jesus today. God loves you. He really does. He loves you. We love you too. Anyone else before I pray? You say, I need Jesus in my life today. Pray for me. If you raised your hand or you did not, will you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth, that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come, I confess, I believe, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me and celebrate for these that have prayed.